Wine Podcast, talking all things NFL. Now here's your hosts, Woot and Wine. Hey everyone, this is the Woot and Washer. I'm Josh Woot. This is Josh Y. What's going on? It's the Dane Pod. It's the Dane Barugula. I love it every year. One it's of my D Day. It's D Day. It's DP Day. DB Day. Because it's DP Brugler. DPB? Let's do that. DPP Day. I like it. It's hard to say, though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've gone too far into this. No. <laughs> um, look, so we uh, in today's episode, we chat with Dane Brugler. If it's not obvious, uh, he is the best in the business. Uh, his draft guide is amazing. It's a Bible, as you, as you said to him in the interview. And, uh, it's, it's gospel. It is gospel. It's, it's preach. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we spend the $10 uh, buying it, and that's nothing. And then we probably spend more each, on office works. Each. Just that's because that's how much we appreciate it. It is. And then we spend more money at office works putting it off. Because we just, you, you got to have it in your hands on draft day. Damn office works. It's amazing. Yeah, they rip you off a little bit. Eh, a little I, bit I, don't, I, I really don't. I don't think they do rip you off. I had a bad experience in there the other day at Wollongong, and I'm a bit low on office works since there. Oh. Do you I mean, want to divulge what Well, happened? they had two people greeting people when they walked in. But no one had to check out? Yeah. Nah, that's just a thing. That annoys me. That just, that's is just that a, a thing. Is that just an office works thing or is that just a... I mean, it's similar to any retail when they say, you like te- take one step into the store and they go, hi, can I help you with anything? And you're just like, I, I don't even know what's in here yet. I haven't seen anything. And then when you want help, there's it's nowhere to be found. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. I think that's just a, a retail thing. Yep. I think the prices of office work, uh, office works, nearly compensate. Dip for that. A it's been a long time since I used that button on you, so I'm glad you stuffed up. Then um, we were going to make a little bit of a joke and a bit and talk about the lack of NFL news, and then overnight Aaron Hernandez. Um, so that made the joke and a little bit a little bit awkward. So mm-hmm. we're going to just um, move on from that. Um, we were going to talk about some news, but when the news is really like Patriots. You know, have an offer sheet to Mike Gillisley, and then it looks like he's going to join the Patriots. And then, this... by the way, speaking of that, I don't know what it is about the Patriots structuring contracts so that other teams, like, you know, it's not like the the greatest ever contract. It's just structured in a way that the Bills are going to find it difficult to match. And it makes the Bills look stupid either way. They either overpay for Mike Gillisley, or yep. they look foolish for letting Mike Gillisley go to the Patriots. And it's then the Patriots this... destroy them yeah, with him or something? It, yeah. yeah, it's just this weird thing that the Bill Belichick has mastered. And um, Roto Pat, Pat Doherty from Roto World does a series every offseason where he ranks the NFL general managers and the NFL head coaches. And Bill Belichick was the number one head coach, obviously, and the number one NFL GM, which I love because this has been one of the best... Patriots off seasons in a long time, and it's come after they've had it's a historic crazy. Super Bowl win. And it's like, how can anyone beat them? They're like, when you look at their roster, um, I was trying to put together some team needs for our uh, draft spreadsheet. That's we're doing a mock draft, two round mock draft next week with Scott, uh, Scott and Laurie. Wow, and, you just merged their names. I know, I did uh, Scott and Laurie as we do every year, and um, you know, I built the spreadsheet and all that sort of stuff, and it was hard to find sort of team needs for the Patriots because they are so strong across the park. Yeah. Uh, do, you think, do you think teams are just like, uh, the Patriots will just do Patriots things and they're just kind of just like, just letting them do their own thing? Yeah, do you I reckon teams are just like, alright, it's the rest of the league versus the Patriots. Just Feels hopefully like they that. implode. Feels like that. 
It it really does. No one. It's I feel it's like a little bit. It's getting a little bit boring now because like the AFC is not very interesting at all. Like it feels mm. like the NBA where you know when as soon as Kevin Durant joined the Warriors, it's like all right, well we know who's representing the Western Conference. Yeah. It's like we know it's going to be the Patriots. Like I, I would love to see him like trade Brady, like throw a spanner and, and send oh, him I want to see send him to the Browns. Yeah, and but, be I like, mean they right. traded two linebackers. That was yeah. <laughs> kept things saucy a little bit, but their their backfield now with Burkhead, Gillislee. James White, who they just gave an extension to, who should have been Super Bowl MVP, and then Dion Lewis, who's never lost as a Patriot. Um, it's pretty... Like, he God. could actually be the odd man out, and he's the one with the highest, I guess, the ceiling. I still find it amazing that we're talking about Dion Lewis in the lead-up. Finally losing a game. And finally, yeah. like, you know, could this be the game he loses, or yeah. does the streak continue? What, 25 points yeah. down, you think? Oh, here it is. <laughs> uh, some of the other news is uh, Gary... Gillum ended up signing with the 49ers. Um, the Seahawks did not match that offer, uh, which is a little bit of a weird scenario. Like, I don't think Gary Gillum is that good, but I guess he was kind of one of the best. That's how bad the Seattle line is, that he was probably one of their best linemen. And to snare him away from a division rival, um, it's not a bad idea for the 49ers. And they'll be able to use him this season because they've obviously got offensive line issues at all. But it fa- I found that weird that we had, like, two days of Gary Gillum drama. That's the point of the off-season that you're in. Yep. GG. Exactly. That's what we're going to make a drama. joke about the lack of news. That you know. All right. All right. Talk, talk about Sh- uh, Sherman a little bit because where, where do, you, do you... Do you see him leaving or not? I I don't see him leaving and Vegas agree. Uh, there's a market at, I think, Bet Online, and they have, I think, at, at minus like 200 money line that he stays in Seattle. But... We'll wait and see on draft day whether there might be a, a trade. He's, it, he's already said he's not turning up for voluntary workouts. I mean, not everyone. Yep. Like, it, yeah. it, that's why it's called voluntary. But, yep. you know, that's already, like, so far away before the draft and everything yep. saying, you know, I'm well, not going to be gonna there. Make, they're going to make a trade between Oakland and Seattle for Lynch. Maybe, just maybe, there might be something, like, it might be attached to a bigger deal where they send Sherman to Oakland and... Seattle move up, and there was talks that Seattle wanted to move up. Um, I don't know if it's to to land one of those tackles, and and Dane mentions the lack of tackles pushing yeah. the value up in our in our chat with him coming up. So maybe it could be something like that, but it feels weird for Seattle to trade up for an offensive. Yeah, line. and and apparently they're asking price like the it's it's been dropping. Apparently, like reports have said that you know their original asking price, everyone just scoffed at it, mm-hmm. and now it's come down a bit, and you know people are considering it, but still. Like what's the pro- like? Uh, Sherman has been great. He's been consistent for a long time. He had a down, not down, but down by his standards last yeah, year, carrying a little bit of an and niggling injury. And he's well. twenty nine. Yeah. So it's. I think it's more of a f- philosophical thing. Like he's called out some of the play calling, and 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 is quite open on different issues, and has clashed with coaches. So it could just be sort of Seattle being ahead of the curve and saying, look, we might not need him in, in a year. Why not get rid of him now while we can at least I find, get something? I find it a little bit... Uh, it's very Patriot-like, though. I find it a bit suspicious, though, that if if you're a team like Seattle that is kind of known for them to be accommodating of all personalities and things like that, if they're willing to ship someone out who, you know, kind of has this is issue... Is there a bigger is issue there, is there, Yeah. yeah. Definitely interesting. I think he is. Face, I think he is a draft day storyline that that's underrated. Like that, we could see something on Similar draft day. Similar to Tunsil. 
Yeah. Uh, some, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was a great, one of the great draft stories. Uh, some some other news this morning is the Bucks uh, have been announced that they'll be featured in the coming season of Hard Knocks. Um, all that made me think of is we need to get Shannon Furman back on the show um, after yeah. the draft. Um, love talking to her. And the other thing I got excited about was, yeah, great, like Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, Jeff McCoy. But then I also remembered Dirk Carter, who's so boring, and Mike Smith, who was so boring in the Falcons, and now on Hard Knocks again. I just think, nah, the players all... The, yeah, I mean, I still think we enjoy the Rams one. and like, I mean, yeah, Fisher was... true. <laughs> like, yeah. And look, the Falcons one was a little bit boring. Like, Matt Ryan, I love Matt Ryan as a player, but he is very boring and mundane. And Winston's so... I, I find him as... I find him so interesting. Yeah, and uh, I can't wait to see... Uh, I wonder what the the odds are on whether or not like crab is brought up. What do you, the what crab do you, legs? Yeah. What do you reckon? Wow. I think maybe they could ask him about some of that stuff, but um, maybe he might want to try and keep that off limits and just focus on on other stuff. Some other interesting subplots. Doug Martin's on a, like a redemption tour after being suspended and and all that sort of stuff. And then we've also got a kicker fight between Roberto Aguayo and Nick Falk, uh, both getting guaranteed money. A kicker fight. Yeah, so we could see... Can you imagine if Hard Knocks captured some sort of, like, Tampa Bay mall, they're out shopping together, the team, and Aguayo and Nick Falk just get into an all-out brawl? I'd watch it. Yeah. I mean... That would be fun. Literally Hard Knocks. Yeah, so uh, we'll uh, we'll speak to Shannon about Hard Knocks, and then we'll also talk about All or Nothing with her... Uh, well, I'm just saying it like we're absolutely going to yeah. get her on. But I have my confidence. It's like, the just, yeah, we have her on retainer. Yeah. <laughs> we just have her on call. Uh, is there any other news over the last week that you found particularly interesting? A lot of it is just, you know, fifth-year options that are no-brainers like Aaron Donald and, and Bradley Roby and, and things like that that are, are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, I still stuff that up. Did I stutter? Uh, and, and things like that. Anything else that you found interesting before we get to uh, our interview with Dane Brugger. Um, no, I think... No, I think not Logan Thomas talking about a switch to tight end? Oh my God, no way! I think it's time for the Brugs. I think it is time to uh, listen to our interview with Dane Brugger. All right, joining us on the lines, Dane Brugler. He's a senior NFL draft analyst for NFL Draft Scout and CBS Sport. He's the author of... the and the creator, and the brains behind the most comprehensive draft guide on the planet. You can purchase his draft guide for just nine ninety five on myfootballnews.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at DP Brugler. Welcome back to the Wooten Wise Show, Dan Brugler. How are you going? I'm doing well, and uh, you know, I'd say good afternoon for me, but good morning to you guys. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's an honor to be back along with you guys. I enjoy it every year. and you know, Here we are, just days away from the draft, and uh, you know, I feel like you know, we think we know, uh, you know, a good amount of what's going to happen. But uh, the draft, is, as we learn every year, there, there's always a few surprises. So eager to find those out. Absolutely. Yeah. We, uh, we're eager to pick your brain about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again, Dane, for joining us so close to the draft. Uh, we, we know it's a, obviously a very busy time for yourself and other draft analysts. Um, we'll start by looking at the draft as a whole. How would you best summarize this draft class? What are its strengths and weaknesses, and what can we expect from the first round? I, I think it's a, a above-average uh, draft class. If you just want to talk about talent, uh, you can go position by position. And re- really, I think the best compliment you could point out is that 
you can make a case for four, five, six positions uh, in terms of what's the strongest this year. Uh, and that just says to the, the depth of this class, the overall talent, uh, you know, picking out the weaknesses, that, that's not hard. It's offensive tackle. It's not a strong tackle class, which I, I think we could end up seeing a few of these tackles being drafted much earlier than they should, just because if you don't get your tackle early, you might be out of luck. Uh, so you're Gar- Garrett Bowles and Cam Robinson and Ryan Ramchek and, uh, you know, that group, um, you know, beyond that, there's, there's a lot of question marks. So tackle is not a strong group. Uh, and then you look at quarterback, it's not a strong group, but it's not a weak group either. Uh, I think there's, you know, a good chance that we get at least two, uh, solid, uh, two above average NFL starters out of this group. And, you know, I, I, that, that to me, that's not a weak class. Uh, and so it's just kind of figuring out, okay, who are those, uh, who are those quarterbacks, uh, you know, and where are they, where are they worth coming off the board? And what's the draft value? And that's, that's the hardest part with these quarterbacks is trying to figure out where they're going to end up. And it's, it's the toughest part about doing a first round mock uh, is trying to figure out where these quarterbacks are going to go, what makes sense, uh, you know, what team is uh, willing to invest in a, in a project like Patrick Mahomes, you know, who, who's willing, is there a top 10 team willing to take a chance on one of these quarterbacks? So, uh, it's the quarterbacks. I think, like every year, will end up shaping uh, the first round and have a, a domino effect on the rest of the teams. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And it, it feels a little bit more like mysterious this year. Last year it was like clear, like who was your top prospects and and your first round prospects. But it feels a little bit murkier this year in terms of like looking across mock drafts. There's a whole different range of names in it, uh, you know, across all different draft analysts. And things like that. You're, you're very tuned in on what's happening around the league and, and scouting circles. Is there any murmurs or whispers that you're able to share with us today? Teams leaning towards certain players or or wiping players completely off off their boards. Well, I think when you, in regards to the quarterback position, uh, there are several around the league who believe a quarterback is going number three to Chicago. Uh, and when you look at that Mike Glennon contract, it's basically a a glorified one-year deal, if that's what the, the Bears want it to be. So quarterback absolutely makes some sense. You know, John Fox, the head coach, he's got his quarterback right now who can help win games, but now the general manager has, can get his quarterback for the future. So both win. Uh, you know, a quarterback's the most important position, so, you know, why not you know, to, to have a backup plan? Uh, whether that the backup ends up being Mike Glennon or a player like Trubisky, uh, it, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. But I do think that, uh, Mitchell Trubisky is a top 10 pick. Uh, I, I think that number 10 in Buffalo, that's probably his floor. Uh, but I do think Trubisky will end up somewhere in the top 10, whether that's a team trading up or whether that's three to Chicago. You know, we'll have to wait and find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I used the 2014 draft as kind of a, a way to compare it in terms of the quarterback classes. You know, like the day before the 2014 draft, we had no idea who was going to be the first quarterback drafted. Yeah what order and you know Blake Bortles ends up going number three that was a surprise well I think we could see that this year with Trubisky at number three then we have a little bit of a gap and you know Johnny Manziel where where is he gonna go it was kind of a a wild card there the Browns end up trading up a little bit to get him uh same thing with Teddy Bridgewater another team trades up to get him and then Derek Carr who's turned out to be the best of that group to this point is the fourth quarterback off the board in the early second round well I think it'll be similar this year where we have Trubisky go top 10 and then we had Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes who are really kind of wild cards in terms of where they're going to end up. And we could see a little bit, you know, some teams move around 
uh, to make sure they get their quarterback. And then Deshaun Kaiser, uh, probably the fourth quarterback drafted, a little bit of a wild card. You know, could he follow the second round? And when we look back, you know, three, four years from now, could he be the best quarterback from this group? I think that's certainly possible. So hmm. I think there are a lot of parallels to that 2014 quarterback group. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Um, to my absolute delight, uh, the, the defensive back class is considered to be quite strong this year, headlined by Lattimore, Malik Hooker, and Jamal Adams. Firstly, how mm-hmm. many rounds into this draft can teams still draft an NFL caliber uh, defensive back? And secondly, do you have a favorite later round defensive back? Yeah, this is a deep, deep corner uh, class, especially uh, in a very good safety group. Uh, and I, it, I think that's the biggest reason why, you know, we're probably going to see one, maybe two. I mean, there's a chance at three corners in the top 20, but because of the depth of this corner group and the guys you can get late first, early second round, mid second round, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you know, teams are going to be more inclined to go with a pass rusher or an offensive tackle or another position early because the depth of this corner group is, uh, so deep and so impressive. And so, uh, you know, I think you could look into, uh, third, fourth round and still feel comfortable with the player that you're getting uh, at, at that point and feel that he can come in and contribute as a rookie. Uh, and, and so we're at, that, at that point, we're talking, what, 15, 16 corners off the board uh, and that safety, uh, you're getting close to double digits, if not to double digits. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's a really deep group this year. Uh, and it's, it's, we know that every NFL team could use more secondary help, whether it's a corner or safety so I think this draft really matches up with a lot of needs uh, that team ha- teams have. And then when you look at cornerback, one of my favorite corners this year was Akello Witherspoon from Colorado. But I think you know the secret's kind of out on him. I don't think he really qualifies as a as a sleeper anymore. But if we go into day three and start to look at you know some of the corners that'll be available there, Jeremy Coutrer from Middle Tennessee. Uh, he to me, he's my highest-graded non-combine uh, prospect this year. I, I have a fourth-round grade on him. I, I think he, uh, once he gets an NFL program, gets with a nutritionist, gets with their strength program, I think uh, Coutrer could be something uh, down the line. And then in terms of maybe you know a late round or a guy that maybe not a lot of people are talking about, uh, William Likely, uh, who just has he has a great name, Will Likely, but uh, <laughs> he. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, the big, the issue with him, which is, uh, you know, a, a big issue, uh, uh, kind of oxymoron there. But he's five, six and a half, uh, one eighty. So it, it's more of a small issue uh, with with likely. Uh, but you know, he's an elite athlete. Uh, he can help us help you as a return man. And at some point in the draft, I think he's worth it. You don't see NFL corners with that type of size uh, survive in the NFL, but. At some point in the draft, I think he's worth it. Uh, and at worst, I think he can help you as a return man. Nice. Uh, sticking with uh, defensive backs, with with so many early round and talented defensive backs, how, what's, how much does it affect uh, scouting a cornerback or safety, like depending on their college team? So Washington, Ohio State. Like and... if, they've, if they've got like talented like backfields, because if yeah. you're playing by yourself as opposed to with a with some really talented safeties. Like it feels like there's a lot of talented backfields. Yeah. They're not backfields but secondaries. Yeah, no, it's a great great point and something that um you know you have to weigh uh, you know obviously when you're scouting Alabama in their front seven, you know, how do you uh 
you know, properly evaluate, you know, say last year when they had, you know, uh, Ashawn Robinson and Jaron Reed on the same defensive line. And, you know, it, it's just the way they, they match up and, you know, what offenses are doing to each of them. And then you have Foster and Hightower and the second at the linebacker level. And it's, it is something that plays into the process, the type of talent that you're playing, you're playing with. And when you're, uh, when you're Washington and you, you know, Sidney Jones is the top corner. Uh, so teams are more apt to throw at Kevin King. Well, if Kevin King is doing a heck of a job, well, that says a lot to him because uh, teams know, or you know, you know, when you're evaluating him, that uh, teams are more likely to go at him than they are uh, at Sidney Jones. And so, it's for for some situations, it gives it, it can prop up a player like a Kevin King because uh, it gives he's going to see a lot more targets his way, a lot more chances for uh, him to get his hands on the ball, uh, create that production. Uh, and I think we saw that with Kevin King this year. And it's similar with uh, Ohio State uh, with Garyon Conley, uh, Malik Hooker, uh, and, and Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, these three guys might all go in the top 15 picks this year. I don't know if it's ever happened where we've had three secondary guys uh, from the same secondary go in the top 15. Uh, it says a lot about you know, the talent of Ohio State. And I actually looked it up yesterday. The last time a program, a college program, produced three top 15 picks in back-to-back drafts, you have to go back to the mid-50s in Notre Dame. So it's just it's rare for what Ohio State's doing Damn. right now. That's crazy. Plus, you know, Cam Johnson's going to get drafted in the second round, the Australian punter. Oh, that was a joke. <laughs> we wish. <laughs> um, I, I've got to ask you about Quincy Wilson. He He's a guy mm-hmm. that you seem to be quite low on compared to other analysts, and you also have him listed as safety instead of corner. What is it about his game that has you... I guess, quote-unquote low, because you, you might not be low on him. It's just in comparison with other draft analysts. I've seen him as high as, you know, 12 or 13 in some other rankings, and I think you have him down in the 80s. Yeah, I graded him out as uh, late two, early three. Uh, and, you know, I, just watching football in the fall, you know, college football, and, you know, Quincy Wilson's making plays, and, I, you know, I'm intrigued. And then when I you know, get the tape and I break down the tape and I'm watching it and I'm just uh, really disappointed. Uh, you know, I, you see at the top of routes, he's allowing all this spacing. Uh, you know, he doesn't have ideal speed or feet for what I'm looking for in a, in a corner. Uh, I like him best at safety where you give him some space to work with, where he can bait throws, uh, you know, he can kind of read the quarterback, keep an eye on the receiver uh, and react from there, use those ball skills that he has. Uh, and so for me, I, I see more of a late two, early three. But when you know you're six one and a half, you, you run in the mid four fives. Uh, you're two, over two hundred pounds. I think he's he's close to two fifteen. Uh, so I think the safety projection works. But I also think he's going to go a lot earlier than I have him. I think he's probably going to end up somewhere top forty, uh, maybe even in the first round. It's very possible, uh, just because uh, teams are looking for size uh, at the corner position, and uh, I think he fits that. Uh, so you know. It, he had an okay season last year, three picks, uh, you know, 33 tackles, uh, and another situation where, you know, talk about a talented secondary with Tease Tabor and uh, Marcus May. So, uh, you know, Quincy Wilson's a solid player. I just don't like him nearly as much as some other people do. Yeah, it's fair enough. I just, uh, that was one of the players that stood out to me, so I needed to, uh, to ask. Another mm-hmm. player that, uh, you know, being a Colts fan, when you see the name Mathis, you, you get excited. Uh, Joe Mathis, uh, is it, is a guy that 
it's he seems to be a popular sort of sleeper pick for people looking for an edge rusher. What was your on-field and off-the-field evaluation of Joe Mathis? Yeah, and Joe, he, I gave him a third, fourth round grade, but that also includes the fact that uh, you know he missed most of his senior year, most of the pre-draft process because of uh, torn ligaments in his right toe, uh, which have not healed as quickly as uh, you know people thought initially. Uh, which obviously right there is something that is a red flag, and you just have to kind of trust the the medical staff and you know what's going on with that in terms of uh, long term prognosis. But in terms of just on the field, uh, the flashes are really impressive. Uh, you know, he's strong versus the run. He has some juice off the edge where he can provide a, a consistent pass rush. I don't think he's that you know twitchy edge rusher who's going to win with just that sudden movement. But uh, I, I think what he his heavy hands. His toughness, his determination. Uh, he's a he's a good sized athlete. He's almost six two, but he's two hundred sixty six pounds. He's thick. He's 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 well built. Um, but you also have to worry about the 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 lack of maturity. It was a constant issue over, uh, for him uh, throughout his career at Washington. Uh, you know, he kind of you got the sense that he needed a wake up call, uh, and I think he got that uh, as a senior, where you know he sense of entitlement uh you know he was a former uh you know big time recruit out of high school and i think he just you know he's always used to being bigger faster stronger than whoever he's gone up against but when he got to washington he quickly found out it wasn't that way and so he only has 13 starts over his career uh the production is eh, you know not much to get excited about uh only nine career sacks but again the flashes are what you like and that's why at some point in the draft you take a chance on him I gave him a third, fourth grade, third, fourth round grade, so borderline top 100. You know, I not really what you're looking for in a top three round uh, pick, uh, yep. but at some point he's going to be worth it for one of these teams. Yep. You like the sound of that, Mark? Yeah, I don't mind it. We we need pass rushes, so so after our free agency haul, I wouldn't mind uh, you know dipping the toes in the water in the fourth round. Nice. Um, for pass rushers, how how does the level of competition affect your analysis, and like, do, does it matter if they were more productive against like right tackles than left tackles, for example? Uh, it depends on what the offense uh, is doing. Uh, you know, I I think more than ever, left and right tackle uh, can be interchangeable, and it's, for a lot of these tackles, it just comes down to uh, what they're most comfortable with in terms of uh, you know their. Uh, their kick slide, uh, you know, left or right-handed, that kind of thing. And so that doesn't matter to me as much. Now, obviously, level of competition is you know, it's definitely something that, you know, just like any position, you have to you have to look at and, and point to. You know, Corey Davis, uh, the wide receiver, you know, in the MAC, you know, he dominated MAC competition. So how do you properly uh, evaluate that when a lot of these corners he's going up against aren't going to sniff the NFL uh mm-hmm. Cooper Cup but another example uh what he did in the FCS level and so you know it's something that you have to consider with every you know quote-unquote smaller school uh prospect uh but at pass rusher I think it's easy to see that initial get off it's easy to see the handwork uh and so you're looking for those traits and if he has those traits then you feel good that that will translate uh and so a guy like Derek Rivers from YSU who I, mean, I felt like I was driving that bus uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. I love Derek Rivers. Uh, you know, I've, I'm, I, I grew up right where Youngstown State, close to Youngstown State, so I have a connection there. And uh, you know, I, I was high on him, and you know, I thought, yeah, maybe even the second round. And now I, 
you know, people want to put him in the first round. And so I kind of handed off the keys to that bus. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I think Rivers is a good player. Uh, and, and I think what he did at the senior bowl, and that's why I think the, these post or the pre-draft all-star games, uh, the postseason all-star games are so important for the smaller school guys, seeing Derek Rivers go up against, uh, you know, FBS level tackles and just to see how he does at the level of competition and, uh, you know, that's why these uh, seeing him at the combine, just, you know, right next to the FBS guys, seeing him go one on one against some of the uh, FBS uh, competition at the all star games. That's why those are most important for me. Fair enough. There we go. All right, Dane. Uh, when I first got your draft guide and I was having a browse, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you ranked Speedy Noyle and James Quick right next to each other. Did you do that on purpose? <laughs> You, you, you uh, you're probably. I think you're the second person to point that out, but it's a very astute observation by you. I'll, I'll say that. Are there are there better names than that in the draft class? Do you have Do you have like a favorite, uh, you know, prospect oh, name? It's some. It's a great there's, name there's class. Some, there's some good names. There's there's yeah. There are some there's some great names. I think you obviously you know Taco Charlton. You know that's a great name, that's but brilliant. it it it's, uh, it. it yeah, it's exact because it's not his given name. And so I think, you know, uh, the safety from Arkansas State, Money Hunter, uh, that, that's just that, that's a great safety name. But again, Money's not his true first name. It's more of a nickname. Um, but I think the best just true name, Weston Steelhammer yes. from Air Force, uh, to me, that's because that's his given name. And so wow. that's not, you know, a, a creation. So that, that to me, that counts a few extra points. Yeah. I feel like uh, Weston Steelhammer. Like when you ask people what their porn name is, like he's got that, he's got that handle. That's a porn star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put it. Plus, Money Hunter's the perfect name for a draft prospect because that's what you're literally doing in the draft. It, 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 well, yeah, exactly. It's literally what you're doing in the draft, on the field, uh, basically in every walk of life. So yeah, it's uh, not bad. I don't mind Fish Smithson too. Uh, yeah, as a name, uh, but. Uh, I, I get, yeah, again, not his real first name, but when you talk about nicknames that, you know, people know him more for fish than his true, uh, his true name. Absolutely. That, that's up there with, uh, Taco Charlton with some of the best nicknames in this draft. Yeah. It's a, it's a great name class. I, I really appreciate it. Some of the, the best nicknames. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on to a more serious topic. Joshua Dobbs is a name that's been getting some hype over the last week or so. Um, I think even as, Earlier as like last last night for us or this morning for you guys, uh, t- uh, Todd McShay said he'd rather take Josh Dobbs in like round two than any of the first round sort of projected quarterbacks. But what is the team getting when they select you know Joshua Dobbs likely on day three? I think that Josh Dobbs needs to whenever he's drafted, which will probably be my guess is in the third round. Uh, write a thank you note to Dak Prescott because I think that's. That's the comparison because Dak Prescott, uh, you know, there were plenty of questions with him, obviously, coming out of college. Josh Dobbs has a lot of the similar, a lot of similar issues. I mean, he's he's a good-sized athlete. Uh, he, his arm strength's not a problem. Uh, he's very, very intelligent. But when you watch him on film, decision-making, accuracy, it's just not there. And that's where I struggle with Josh Dobbs. I mean, I, I, get, uh, I get why people like him, especially when you sit down with him. And when you sit down with them, yeah, you want to draft them. You want to get them on your team. But the asking price of a third rounder for me, that's just, that's impossible. There's no way I'm drafting Josh Dobbs in the third round. But a team might do that because of what he brings uh, from a physical standpoint and then his character. Both are 
you know, building blocks for maybe what, you know, could be something. Uh, and so I think similar, they're not, you know, mirror images, uh, Dak Prescott and Josh Dobbs, but I do think, uh, the, the Dak comparison could help a team justify taking Dobbs in the third round. Uh, I, I think, you know, the Browns, uh, you know, they coached him in the senior bowl. I think there's some interest there. Uh, if, if the Browns don't go quarterback a little bit earlier, but you know, I, Josh Dobbs is a guy who, you know, he's a career 60%, uh, you know, passer and, you know, I know completion percentages and everything, uh, you know, can be deceiving, but I do think it matches, you know, what he put on film, uh, going up against sec defenses, just so streaky, uh, not a guy that I'm going to be trusting to ever start for my team in the NFL. And I think he might be able to develop and, possibly be something where he's you know at least on a roster but uh, i think he's a huge projection and I, he's he's one of those guys where you say okay you know what i'm gonna, I'm gonna let another team draft him hmm. there we go are you buying into the uh the hype that the browns are not taking miles garrett at number one at all uh the way it was explained to me um by you know a brown source is Miles Garrett's not the question here. The, everyone in the, with the Browns loves Miles Garrett. Um, the question more is obviously they need a quarterback, and uh, a pretty good quarterback is more valuable than a great defensive end. And while I, I probably agree with that, uh, especially for the Browns who have been missing that quarterback since they came back into the league in '99, uh, it, you know, it's just. It comes down to who are the voices, who's campaigning for Mitchell Trubisky in the Browns front office. That's what we don't know. Is it if it's one of the head decision makers, Sashi Brown, uh, Andrew Barry? Then okay, you know we have to take it seriously. But I get the sense that Hugh Jackson is not all in on Trubisky at number one, and I just don't see how you could draft a quarterback at number one if you're head coach and not only your head coach but your offensive minded head coach who basically you know is uh, the designer of the offense and has the offensive philosophy for where your team's headed um, I don't see how you could draft a quarterback there unless your head coach is all in on that pick and I, I'm not sure that he is I, I I think there's a slight chance Trubisky you know he, he have to take the the rumor seriously but I, I would still be shocked if Miles Garrett is not that first overall pick there we go uh, where does Garrett sort of rank in terms of talent? Like, if you compared him over like top talents compared to previous years, like how good is Miles Garrett? Yeah, and that's that's a great question. It's tough because you know you have to kind of put on blinders because um, we know how these guys have fared in the NFL: Jadavian Clowney, Khalil Mack, um, you know these types of uh, players, and so you have to kind of put blinders on to what they've done in the NFL and just focus on who they were at a college and that can be tough at time. It kind of skews your, your opinion and your thinking, but with miles Garrett, I, you know, I think he's, he's similar to Clowney a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think Clowney was maybe a little, uh, a little freakier just in terms of on the field with what he can do a little more, just a little more gifted. I mean, miles Garrett's a freak and he's certainly gifted, but Clowney was just a, just a little more gifted on the field. But I feel better about Garrett actually living up to the number one uh, hype and the potential, um, uh, you know, the, the the expectations of being a first overall pick more so than Clowney, who, you know, just did not have that junior his final year at South Carolina, that junior year you wanted out of him. And I know Miles Garrett didn't either uh, at A&M, but a big part of that, uh, you look at the injury that he had that really plagued him over the second half of the season. 
Um, but, you know, just take the season opener this year, for example, against UCLA. Uh, he was just dominant in that game. And uh, you know, Miles Garrett, to me, uh, it's, it's really a no-brainer. I think this is the easiest decision a number one team, uh, team picking number one uh, overall, easiest decision for them since 2012 when the Colts took Andrew Luck. My guy. <laughs> Love Andrew Luck. Uh, Miles, yeah. Miles Garrett, despite like his size and strength and everything, is kind of like a big, big nerd, right? I read somewhere that he's like mm-hmm. heavily into dinosaurs and all that sort of stuff, and and is like, yeah, you just don't expect that from a guy who literally has the wingspan of a, of a pterodactyl. <laughs> uh, that's that's a great way to put it, and I think it's almost similar to another A and M pass rusher with Von Miller, who you know we know uh, talks a lot about uh, you know. Uh, agriculture and you know he raises chickens and uh, you know just has some you know all these guys have interest off the field obviously uh, you know even the the football lifers like JJ Watt I mean they all have their interests off the field but you know a, a guy like Von Miller or Miles Garrett they're just their interests are a little different than what we might expect and so you know it's a little refreshing to hear about uh, you know kind of pull back the curtain and get a sense of, you know, kind of what makes them tick. And, yeah, Miles Garrett, he almost attended Ohio State just because of, uh, you know, their paleontology program and uh, everything that Ohio State offered. Wow. Uh, that almost took him uh, north outside of Texas, which is, you know, speaks to, uh, you know, Garrett's uh, level of interest mm-hmm. in that. So it's, yeah, oh, yeah, I, uh, Ohio State, yeah, they, they could they could use some help. They don't have much talent up there at Columbus. <laughs> Uh, we are talking with senior NFL draft analyst Dane Brugler of CBS Sport, and we thank him for his time. But before we let you go, we just uh, we do this every time. Just some rapid fire questions for you, so we're gonna kind of put you on the clock, so to speak. Okay. All right. Um, I know you just said it was the easiest decision since 2012, but uh, who could be a surprise first round? Su- sorry, who could be a the uh, a surprise for the first pick on April 28th? Uh, if it's not Miles Garrett, then I think the only other player would be is, is Trubisky. I think there's a, a slim chance that the the voices in the Browns front office that are campaigning for the quarterback and Trubisky, if it's the right voices, then you know it's it's something that could happen. I think it's a very small likelihood, but if there's a chance, then you know it, it, anything could happen. All right, uh, sticking with first round surprises now, who could be a first round surprise selection? I think you know, a player, and I tweeted this out weeks ago, uh, but I think you know if there's going to be a top 25 surprise, I think it's going to be Tyus Bowser, um, and you know I think that's kind of grown legs and maybe not might not be as much of a surprise anymore. But I, you know, I, I think Tyus Bowser could go as high as the mid teens. I think the Colts, uh, you know, knowing Chris Ballard like I do uh, and understanding kind of what he likes and what he looks for. I think that's very possible. Bowser to the Colts. Um, I, I think there's several teams in the 20s looking for pass rush help that could uh, go after Bowser. And then 28 with the Cowboys. Uh, you know, the defensive coordinator, uh, Marinelli, uh, that's that's the type of player he wants to work with. So, uh, Tyus Bowser, I'll be I'll be shocked if he doesn't go first round. I'll put it that way. Wow, there we go. Uh, who could be a surprise round one snub? You know, many are expecting to go in round one that might just slide out. Uh, let's stick with the pass rushers. Uh, uh, Tack McKinley, uh, it, you know, the speed and the motor, uh, that's the selling point with Tack McKinley. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun watching him on film because of those two things. But when you factor in everything else, uh, especially the shoulder injury, which he waited until March to do, 
and that could really affect his draft stock. Uh, some teams believe he'll have to start the year on the PUP list. Uh, you know, it's not just about getting into training camp. It's about is he going to be ready to even start the season? Uh, and, and so, you know, he's a talented pass rusher, but he does have he's unrefined in a lot of areas, has some questions uh, on the field, and then you factor in the the injury, the shoulder issue off the field, and it, it's something that it could push him into maybe the you know, the 33 to 40 range. There we go. Cool. With the 14th overall pick in the 2017 NFL draft, the Eagles select? Uh, I'll say Christian McCaffrey. I think they're, they're looking, they're doing a lot of work on these pass rushers. So I think you have to look at pass rush there as a strong possibility. But I maybe, I, maybe it's selfish because I just, I want to see Christian McCaffrey go to a team that's going to use him correctly. But I think that with Coach Peterson and what they can do on offense, uh, especially with that quarterback, with Carson Wentz, knowing how much he likes to use the running back in the offense, uh, I, I think Christian McCaffrey would make a lot of sense. Uh, and you know, he, he might not be that featured back in a traditional sense, but I think he could fill that role uh, for what the, what the Eagles maybe want to do, help out that young quarterback. Uh, I don't think his talent would be wasted there uh, because of the, the coaching staff that they have in place. With the 15th overall pick in the 27 draft, my Colts select, apart from Tyus Bowser. <laughs> uh, well, I'll go with maybe a similar player, um, Hassan Reddick, who uh, is, uh, you know, extremely talented player. This is, he's one of my favorite players in the draft. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm proud that I was uh, campaigning for him last fall, uh, watching him at Temple, just thinking, why is nobody talking about this kid? And then he, of course, goes to the Senior Bowl and, you know, blew up from there. I think he's absolutely a top 10 player this year. Um, and so if he's available at 15, which I think is, you know, very possible, uh, you know, plug him in right away. He can play inside, can play outside, can drop, can cover, can blitz. Uh, the versatility of what he can do is, you know, such a high selling point with, with Reddick. Uh, high character guy. I feel you have a good idea of what you're getting uh, from a coaching standpoint uh, with his ability to learn and get better. So Hassan Reddick at 15, I think, makes a lot of sense for Chris Ballard and his first ever draft pick uh, as a general manager. Cool. Name three prospects that you think are underrated. Hmm, underrated prospects. Uh, well, I think first and foremost, my guy from Ashland, tight end uh, Adam Shaheen. Yep. That's I, I, I mean, I, I yeah, Division Two, uh, and you know, he dominates Division Two tape, and it's I know it's hard to translate that. But uh, he's absolutely worth a top 50 pick, in my opinion. Uh, when we look at back at this draft in a couple of years, I think we'll be talking about uh, him as being underdrafted. Um, Akella Witherspoon, the corner from Colorado, uh, really like him. Another one of uh, those secondaries where a lot of talent, and I think he went overlooked a little bit. Uh, and it's fascinating how his senior year in high school went from 5'8 to 6'2". And never played Whoa. football until his senior year Damn. because of that. <laughs> yeah, he, he was crazy. a he was a soccer player, and so once he had that growth spurt, uh, you know, he played corner as a senior, did the JUCO route, then went to Colorado and uh, had such a great senior season that I think he's being uh, underrated at this point. Uh, so, Akella Weatherspoon definitely be one of them. Uh, what's another underrated guy? I'll go with. Um, Curtis Samuel from Ohio State. Um, you know, I think if. If not for John Ross's four-two-two, uh, we're talking a lot more about Curtis Samuel and his four-three-one that he ran. Um, I think you know the team that doesn't get McCaffrey in the first round should be targeting Samuel in the second round. Uh, he's you know what he, what he can do out of the backfield as a receiver. Um, I, I, he's he, to me he's a running back. I mean he averaged seven point nine yards per rush uh, last year. 
So I'm not taking him out of the backfield completely. He can do a little bit of everything, be that versatile offensive weapon. So I think Curtis Samuel, to me, is worth a first-round pick, but I think team will get an ex- get an excellent value in the mid-second. Juicy. There we go. Um, all right, sleepers. Everyone loves a good sleeper. Who, who's some of your uh, favorite late-round gems in this draft? Uh, Dylan Cole, linebacker from Missouri State. Uh, tested off the charts. Uh, the production's there. Uh, I think he's a special teams guy early, and then I think he can develop into more. So I think Dylan Cole, definitely a guy that uh, should be on the radar in uh, you know, fifth, sixth round. I, I, that's where I would draft him. Uh, then Chad Williams from Grambling State, uh, another combine snub who he did not look out of place at the Senior Bowl. He was outstanding. Uh, I, I think he is definitely draftable. He has some off-field stuff, so as long as the character checks out uh, and he keeps his nose clean, Chad Williams can end up outplaying his draft slot wherever he ends up. There we go. And our last but not least question, and Dana, we thank you for joining us. We know Garrett's at the top of your big board, but who is one player you really enjoyed scouting this year? Uh, in terms of just overall really enjoyed, I mean, it, it's hard not to say Malik Hooker. Uh, he, I love watching secondary play. and For a, a first-year starter, his instincts, his range, his ball skills, it's just so much fun watching him patrol center field and make plays. It's almost like he knew the, what, what was coming before it did. Um, and so I'm eager to watch Hooker and at the next level and see him develop even more. And uh, you know, hopefully he builds off of what he did this past year and stays healthy. And I, I think he has a chance to be a pretty special player this year. Uh, eager to see Hooker moving forward. Perfect, uh, Dane. Thank you very much for your time. Please give yourself and the draft guide a plug before uh, we let you go. We know you've got another interview to get to. Yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter, at DP Brugler. I have it pinned at the top, the link to download it. Um, basically, if you're interested in the NFL draft, I promise you won't be disappointed with this. It's got everything you want to know in the top 450 players. Uh, no detail too small. So appreciate everyone that's checked it out and all the feedback I've received. And I appreciate you guys uh, talking about it and uh, having me on to talk about it. So I enjoyed this. Yeah, uh, We look so forward to it every year. It's the yeah. gospel. <laughs> yeah, we uh, can't recommend the, the draft guide enough. Um Still can't believe it's under $10, Dan. It's ridiculous. <laughs> have to make it for everybody. Just don't dob us in because when we have to purchase it, we uh, we put our postcode as 90210 and uh, we live in Beverly Hills. <laughs> oh, there you go. Because, yeah, you know, international problems, but we sorted it out. Um, I'm glad to hear it. Perfect. Thanks, Dan, and uh, enjoy the draft. All right, guys. Take care. Bye, Dan. Big thanks to Dane Brugler for joining the Wooten Wire show. Love that chat. Love that guy. He's awesome. I, yeah, he might be the godfather of my Remember our job. first chat with Dane? Could we make that public knowledge now or not? No. No? Should we keep that It's hidden? an anniversary thing. Okay. There's there's two parts to it, and I think a couple of listeners picked up on the, on the very first chat on where we recorded, and no. we'll, but the rest will... Uh, We'll keep secret. Um, back when we were rookies, um, and we couldn't believe Dane would come on the show. So it was uh, very, 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 very good. But very, very long time ago. We've uh, grown in leaps and bounds since then. Uh, <laughs> all right. Of course we have. That uh, somewhat. <laughs> Just the technology is getting better. The, us to have said the same. We haven't, we haven't learned a thing. Uh, all right. Anything else before we uh, finish the show? No. Uh, no. I think we're all good. Just uh, look forward to our uh, mock draft uh, podcast next week. In the draft is so close. Yeah, it, it feels like a, a lot less time this year. And then I realised that it, that the draft is a couple of weeks earlier this year than it was mm. last year. I mean, there's and there's just like I feel this season 
there's just so much speculation. No one knows where anybody's going. It it is very murky. Like even from like, I think pick two onwards is just like last last season. Last season you were like, all right, obviously two quarterbacks going first and second. Everyone pretty much knew where they were going. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Then they also then you could you also knew which teams were like in need of a tackle and you knew that there was possibly going to be a wide receiver run which there was and things like that like the only thing you can kind of hang your hat on is that there's going to be a lot of corners taken because it's just a lot of talented corners that's it and it's not even where they're going to be taken it's i feel like the corner runs going in round two at the start of round Mm. two yeah i feel like there'll be a a whole not even just corners safety as well defensive backs i feel like buddha baker will probably go like pick 33 and then there'll just be a run from then but like oh, last year you, you knew like 20 to 25 first round players you just didn't know where they were going this year it feels like there's maybe 15 players that we can say for sure are going in round one and then the rest it's like you could see them dropping to like 50 I, I get having the draft over you know however many days but I still wish it was just just all at once just, just a marathon yeah. <laughs> buckle down it would, it would suit us given the timeline uh, when it starts here during the day but anyway Alright, we'll be back with our two-round mock draft next week. Keep an eye out for that. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter at JYNFL. You can follow me at Woot, etc. You can follow the show at Woot and Why. Please give us a like on Facebook, The Woot and Why Show. And you can listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, And then in the States now, you can listen on iHeartRadio and Google Play. Please, iTunes reviews. 